Welcome to the Novel Expressions Book Club. I'm Natalie, the youngest sister. I'm Jess, the middle sister. I'm Pam, the oldest sister. I'm Nancy, the mom. And we're your hosts. Today, we're exploring a new to this podcast author, Kate Hewitt, and the first book of a three-part series, which is called Rainy Day Sisters. This book is set in modern times, so instead of the historical context, we'll be discussing the role of culture in this novel. Let's start there. Well, this novel takes place in England's Lake District in Cumbria County, which is located in the northwest section of England on the coast of the Irish Sea. For those of you who have traveled to England, and to give our readers perspective, this story takes place about four hours from London. The average temperature year-round is between 40 and 65 degrees. Brr. Of course, the most interesting cultural aspect of this story is the language, both the differences between British and American English, as well as some of the Cumbrian phrases we learn. Let's start with the British and American English differences. We hear the word knackered to refer to tired, a lie down is a nap, a rota is a schedule, an elastic is a hair tie, plasters are band-aids, in school reception is what we call kindergarten, and registers is what they use for the word attendance. In addition, instead of saying fifth grade, one says year five. A lay-by is a rest area, jumpers are sweaters, plonk is wine, and a torch is a flashlight. I remember when we were there, how much fun we had learning the different uh, words in British English. But the Cumbrian is even more interesting. A raggy is a silly person. I'm not even sure if I'm gonna pronounce this next word correctly. Bauk or balk is puke. And my favorite, dick years is 10 years. I'd like to add three other notes of interest. It, towards the end of the novel, the town is preparing for Guy Fox Day, which commemorates a man from Spain who was found guilty of a plot to blow up parliament with gunpowder in, a, in an attempt to return England to Catholicism. He wanted to get rid of the current king who was not for Catholicism. His plot was discovered through an anonymous letter and he was captured, tortured, sentenced to death. He was actually supposed to be hanged, but he um, broke his neck on his way up to the noose to be hanged. And then he was still drawn and quartered. Each, and then his quartered parts were put in all four corners of England to be a warning to the rest of the people not to try to um, hurt the crown. Each year, a bonfire is set to celebrate the king's escape from assassination. So usually they take a, make a paper person out of newspaper, old clothes, and, um, and fake faces, paper faces, and they burn that in effigy to represent any traitors such as Guy Fawkes. Pretty crazy, huh? Two more points. Our protagonist mentions checking the tide clock. Well, I'd never heard of a tide clock before, 
but apparently if you live on the Atlantic Ocean, you know a lot about it because what it does is it keeps track of the moon's motion around the earth and the moon contributes a major part to the lunar and solar tides. And so you check the tide clock to see when the high tide is going to come in and when the low tide would happen so that you know when's the best time to be in the water. And then finally, we learned that Cumbria County it can boast at least two famous people. William Wordsworth, who was an English romantic poet from Cockermouth, which is a part of that Cumbria County, and Beatrix Potter, of course, the beloved author of The Tale of Peter Rabbit, whose house you can tour even today in Ambleside. And when I was looking it up, there were all kinds of ads for those two places to go visit. Come visit William Wordsworth's uh, birthplace and come visit uh, Beatrix Potter's home. So those are things that you can see there if you ever want to travel to Cumbria County. If you ever can travel again, honestly, right. like when is exactly. the world going to open up? Exactly. All right, let's talk about who we have residing in Cumbria County in this novel. All right, we have Lucy Bagshaw, a 26-year-old artist who has been living in the shadow of her famous mother, until said mom ruined Lucy's potential career, which had a domino effect on everything else. She is an eternal optimist who wants to make a new life for herself and reconnect with her big sister. Juliet Bagshaw, Lucy's 37-year-old half-sister, who stayed in England when Lucy and her mother left for America 20 years ago. She is a private, no-nonsense bed and breakfast owner who deals with her loneliness and past pain by keeping busy and sticking to a routine. Fiona Bagshaw, their famous selfish mother whose amazing art is questionable in my opinion. Peter Lanford, Juliet's sheep farmer, neighbor, and friend, a kind, loyal man of few words who eventually becomes Juliet's beau. Alex Kincaid, the handsome head teacher at the elementary school where Lucy has landed a temporary job a drowning widower with two daughters. Despite his reservations, he quickly falls for Lucy and she with him. Bella Kincaid, Alex's 12-year-old daughter who is struggling with the loss of her mom, being bullied at school, and she's crying out for attention. Poppy Kincaid, Alex's happy-go-lucky younger daughter who takes, Lucy, takes to Lucy very quickly and just wants her daddy to be happy. Maggie Baines, the grandmotherly woman who trains Lucy to be Alex's receptionist. Rachel Campbell, Juliet's friend who does some of the housework around Tarn House. Dan Trenton, the gruff clerk at the post office shop who Lucy is determined to befriend. Liz Benson, the long married wise year six teacher who is a friend and an encourager to Lucy. Diana Rigby, the year five teacher who is living separate from her husband and generally cranky because of it, but she and Lucy become friends anyway. And then we have some other townspeople I thought we should mention. Mary Buxton, the cafe owner, and her granddaughter Abby, who comes to help. Rob Telford, the pub owner. William Lanford, Peter's elderly father. Oliver Jones, a neglected year five student, and his mother who is struggling with depression and Tara, a young mother and year two teaching assistant. All right, so let's get into our favorite elements and I'll kick us off. Um, I think my favorite thing about this story 
is the super small town community feel, which I know we've talked about in some of Beatriz's books, specifically the Summer Wives with the island culture. And I feel like because this town is so remote and in the middle of nowhere and it's just very small that everyone's really close and they know one another and they have these like weird town events, but everybody comes out for them. And I think about, you know, um, when uh, Peter does, plays Santa and everybody just kind of humors him as Santa. So I just thought that was really cool. And I like secretly want to live in a place like that, but also not be totally far from reality. So. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to work for me, but that was my favorite element. So my favorite element is going to sound pretty sappy, um, but I loved the heartwarming scenes when we saw males who are being sweet to the people in their care. So specifically the whole greasy pole with the lamb situation where Alex had to climb up that pole and then when he came down, he presented the lamb leg to his daughter, Bella. I just thought that was so sweet because he was, he was showing her how much he loved her through that action. Um, and then I also loved watching Peter take care of his father who had dementia. And there was one scene where he was shaving his face for him. And it was just so sweet to see males doing those types of things and being tender. Yes, I agree with you. And my favorite element is I feel like the characters in this book are relatable and they're flawed. And that's probably why they're so relatable. They're not perfect. Um, they're likable. Both Lucy and Juliet and their guys drove me crazy sometimes, just totally annoyed me with things that they would do or think or not do, you know. But there were other times where I really liked them. And, and so many times where I thought, I felt that way before. You know, um, even when times when Juliet would realize that she was being cranky or not being nice to Lucy and she knew she should, but she just didn't feel like it at the time. I've, I've felt that way before. And that's, that's a flawed character, which means she's very human. She's like a real person because that's how we are. And so I felt like the characters in this book were very relatable because of that. Well, I really loved the description of the setting. And even though it almost always seemed to be kind of a, what some people would call a negative description, the cold wind, the rain, there was something so appealing about it, maybe because of that small town feel, but I could feel the wind. I could experience trudging through the mud and I could imagine the warmth and glow of the pub on trivia night when they were all together. It was just, even though it didn't seem like the weather was the best there, it just seemed like a place you'd want to be. I think part of that is the juxtaposition of that outside but then when you're in like the bed and breakfast or the pub it's that warm and cozy feeling that makes you just the weather just makes you appreciate those places so much more so true I definitely felt like every time I picked up this book I was like I need to go brew like a cup of tea yes exactly <laughs> yeah in fact I almost made a cup to have while we were doing this I think you guys mean a cuppa a right. cuppa yeah right. a cup. Right. exactly yeah. So let's get into our other noteworthy discussion topics. All right. So the first thing I want to bring up is we must just really like authors who like to write from two perspectives. I hadn't really realized just how many books we had read like that until we read, you know, we've been reading Beatrice for a while now. And then we switched 
over to this one, I was like, oh my gosh, this is another author who likes to write in the two different perspectives. There's something about seeing, you know, through the eyes of those different characters that I just, I really enjoy. I agree. I think it just brings a little something more to the story because you're getting, you know, especially in this story where the characters are interacting, you're, you're seeing like how Juliet and how Lucy perceive maybe the same encounter with one another, but through their own lens. You also get that dramatic irony because you know mm -hmm. what she's thinking about her and what she's thinking about her. And you kind of want to say, can you two just talk? You know, right. and actually I felt that way with Peter and, and Juliet a lot. Could you two just talk? That would really clear things up and help the situation, you know, That's but I right. like that. I love dramatic irony. So that having those different perspectives, I think really helps with that. Agree. Um, I, I also felt like, you know, with having sisters in this book, obviously we're, you know, I'm doing this, this discussion with my sisters and we spend a lot of time together. Um, there was one particular quote in the book that I was like, that's not true. That's just not freaking true. So um, Julia and her friend Rachel are in the kitchen. And so Julia says, her name is Lucy. Juliet reminded Rachel as she filled the kettle and rubbing along together is about right. We're not going to be best mates by any stretch. I don't know any sisters who are, Rachel answered. Well, clearly they haven't met us. I'm exactly. just saying. Amen. Yeah. Although I will say I have, I think we're an anomaly because I've talked to other people who have siblings and they kind of say the same thing. They don't, either they don't really get along or they just are a little bit born distant. They're not quite as close as we are. So weird to think about. It no, may have it, been the fabulous parenting you got from your mother. I'm not sure if that's the reason. <laughs> or maybe we had to band together against you. Right. I like that's that That's probably it. <laughs> so kind of going back to something you said a second ago, Nat, about how having the two perspectives allows you to see how each of the sisters feels. It is amazing to me how different of a perspective two people can have about the same event. Like that whole description of the pony party that um, Lucy had when she was younger and the way she felt about it and the way Juliet felt about it, it was wildly different. And yet they were both at the same party. Yeah. And one, one thing I think that plays into that, and, and it happens anytime, but I think their age plays into that because you know Lucy was a child which means she was more self-centered at that time not really aware of her older teenage sister and what thing you know what life was like for her but then also Juliet as that teenager you know almost an adult at the time um even though she had every right to feel the way she felt because of how she had been treated she also kind of was in that like what about me you know, instead of being happy for her sister having something, it was, what about me? And I think their age plays a part in that, which is cool because I also like when an author can capture that voice correctly, can really think, think like a child would think or think like a teenager would think and give you those perspectives. Yeah, agree. I, I feel like well, I mean, Beatrice always is like the gold star for me personally in terms of character development and their character voices. I do feel like there were a lot of quotes throughout this book or things that Lucy, Lucy in particular would say, but also Juliet, that I was like, 
Yeah. And I, you know, Pammy, this is kind of what you touched on. Like they're very flawed characters and that I think makes them that much more likable, even though sometimes they drove me nuts too. But there's a point um, where Lucy's, you know, kind of thinking to herself and it says she was so weary of trying with people and feeling as if she were getting nowhere at all. Just once she wanted someone to try with her. And that I was like, yes, I totally know what that feels like. 100%. Like, I want to show this to my husband sometimes, you know, like I just totally related to it. And, and I was like, cause usually I felt Lucy was like kind of a little bit whiny, just like, come on, Lucy, get your life together. But, um, I really liked that quote from her. Mm-hmm. And part of that. It's funny that you say that because I described her as a bit of an internal optimist. And then for you to say whiny. So one thing I will, I do think about that is I felt like she was whiny on the inside. And we yeah, were getting maybe. her, her thoughts, but I think what she wanted to present to the world, right. You know, yeah. so I get that, that actually, Had we're both yeah. right. Okay. We're both right. Um, we just, <laughs> I'll accept just it. depending on how we were looking at that. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm glad that you clarified that you wanted to show that to like your husband or someone else. Cause I didn't know if you were trying to tell us something. <laughs> No. <laughs> or you want us to try harder with you or okay. No, you guys are good. You guys try too hard and go way too over the top. Just saying. Don't we all? That is so true. <laughs> so I'm thinking that the reason why Lucy feels like that is because of the lack of good parenting from her mother. And something that it just made me wonder what the author's life was like, slash what she's experienced, because the amount of lack of good parenting in this story was kind of crazy. Um, you, have, you have Fiona with Lucy and Juliet, and in both cases with both girls, not a very good mom. Alex was in foster care growing up, and so he had a tough situation. We find out at one point that Peter's dad had beat him after his mom died. And it's just like almost every single parent that you saw in the story, there was something that had kind of wrecked their kids as a result. And maybe that's why the setting is the setting, because it was somewhere far away from, you know, big city, and it was a place to heal, maybe. You know, maybe that's what drew Juliet to it. And maybe that's why Lucy needed to go there. Maybe that's why Alex found it so appealing. It sounded like Peter had been there for a while. And but. part of that could be because it is such a small village, that whole idea of maybe you don't necessarily have that family, but then you have that village, that community. community. Yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking when you were talking, when mom was talking, I was thinking it's like cheers. Yeah. Where everybody yeah. knows, everybody your, knows name. your name. You know, like that place <laughs> where you, and that is what it's like. They, they kind of know each other's business. Mm-hmm. You know, they know who's who they, I mean, they know things that have happened before the person even gets home, right. you know, and sometimes that's a bad thing or would be frustrating, but other times it's probably really comforting to have all that support. Mm-hmm. They say it takes a village. It does. Okay. So ladies, if we, for example, were to write a novel, what would the parents in our novel be like? Hmm. Um, well, I think I, my, if I wrote, if I made a mom character, she'd mm-hmm. definitely be a doctor. For sure. <laughs> yeah. You know what? She might even be like some sort of like sex related doctor. Yeah. <laughs> sex therapist. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Look well, how excited she just got. <laughs> she did. You should have seen her face listeners. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we might want to start posting some videos of certain <laughs> things in these mm-hmm. chats. <laughs> I think so. I think 
think so. I think we should really work on developing this character and see if we can write a book ourselves. Yes. From different perspectives. Yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> I love it. So speaking of our mom, the sex doctor, um, I want to talk about the, the sperm donation scene in the pub because dying, like just from start to finish, first of all, why would you ever have that conversation in a public place? Right. And particularly in a small village where everybody's in everybody's business. And just to think that she just thought it was okay to be like, hey, buddy, can you hook me up here? I'll have your baby and you can watch me raise him or her. In the same yeah. village where you live. Right. Yeah. And right I, down the street. And I don't want to have any physical contact with you. She really thought nothing of it. I think what she was asking, she thought was perfectly normal and okay. On the other hand, remember who her mother is. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, I feel like she just wanted to totally emotionally distance herself from what she wanted to do, mm -hmm. which is weird because then she wanted to have this emotional connection with this child. Like that was the whole point, right? But I, it was like she just made it very much like a business transaction. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I think I literally slapped my head at that scene. I think I was like, what is she doing? Like, what is she thinking? Asking Why did she think that would be cool? You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what in the world? I mean, maybe the alcohol, I understand it might have been necessary, but you probably could have done that in his living room. <laughs> right. And I'm so glad he reacted as strongly as he did so that she could really see like, that is not <laughs> the appropriate. You cross the line, man. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you don't ask your friends for sperm? That's not okay? Apparently not. It's a, it's a weird favor, I think. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Also, Definitely something weird. I was thinking about with that, you, when Jess said his reaction, um, I was like a little bit frustrated with him for not completely telling her what he was upset about. But at the same time, I was a little bit okay with her suffering, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, and, and that, that she had to suffer a little bit before they had that full conversation. Mm -hmm. And he explained what, you know, he wasn't just like offended that she would ask for that. He was offended that she would think that he could do that and not actually raise the child and not right. be a part of that. But I was kind of glad that she had to, and I like her. It's not that I want bad for her, but I was kind of glad she had to suffer for a little while. Do you think that there was a part of him that was also a little bit miffed of like, she doesn't want to like go the traditional route with me to yes. feel? Yeah. Cause he definitely had feelings for her. Yeah. For sure. And so it was very insulting as well as being out of the question. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. Well, talking about awkward things, I did want to bring up uh, poor Alex and his male dilemma that he has as a single male parent, having two daughters, one a teenager and one a little girl, and feeling completely unprepared for the things that are going to come up in their lives. And of course, that led to the bra conversation and buying it and Lucy taking her and so on. But I thought, you know, um, that's something that we, that was, is easy to not just to kind of overlook that a man who is raising two daughters or a woman who is raising only sons, unless they have other people in their lives who can kind of help guide them along the way, that, that's a real struggle. I mean, it, it, just, it would be hard to, to be that guy and to 
have to deal with it. And of course, the little girl that, or the teenage girl, Bella, so mortified that she would have to say something to her father and feeling awkward. And, and I actually want to bring up something else that, um, that I thought about while we were talking, and that is thinking about Bella. Bella just seemed like this really rebellious kid until we found out what the rebellion was all about. Mm. And I think sometimes it's easy for us to look at a teenager. I know I've done this before in my classroom. Look at a teenager and think one thing about the kid, and then you find out some backstory or you find out what's going on in the kid's life, and you go, oh, well, that explains a whole lot. And I think too often we jump to the conclusion that these kids are just hormonal and they're you know, ridiculous because they're teenagers when really they may be being bullied at school or maybe tragedy at home or there may be chaos at home or whatever. And, and it, we just have to be more careful about not being too quick to judge what's going on. I guess is what I'm, so, to say. I'm moralizing here. Sorry. No, it's, it's really funny. Cause we've been talking about um, something at work. We've been focusing a lot on self-care and um, one of my colleagues was telling me about this whole concept called it's a psycho psychology concept called the spillover effect where like stuff from home can spill over into your work life or to your school life or whatever. So like if kids, you know, acting out of school, you need to figure out what's going on at home. If someone is acting like, you know, a colleague of mine came to work and like hated everyone for the day and that's not normally them what's going on, like what happened in their personal life. So it's such, it's totally true. And it's like so true that it's actually a, you know, a psychology concept that they talk about. Mm -hmm. And I think it's particularly hard with the teenage age group because number one, they are already emotional. Um, and then number two, I think people just write them off because they feel like, oh, they must just be like that. But in reality, you know, they don't know how to handle whatever they're going through. And so it comes out in a rebellious way instead of dealing with it properly. And they don't have the ability yet to know how to seek the help in an appropriate way. And, um, and so it, it, you're right, it comes out in an inappropriate way. Yeah. Not to mention that they're sometimes trying to keep an image, Yes, yeah. which is exactly what Bella was doing. And again, Absolutely. I think this is something that Kate Hewitt did very well, is really portrayed a 12-year-old girl who had lost her mom, who felt like her dad wasn't really doing good enough, you know, like he wasn't keeping up like he should be. Mm -hmm. And also she, because she's getting bullied at school, she's trying to play it cool. I'm fine. I'm tough. This isn't bothering me. And yet you see her like soften a little bit and Kate, and, and, and there are scenes where she'd be described like, She's in her, you know, all black and she's dressed a certain way, but then she's casting sideways glances at Lucy or her dad. You know, she, she does care. Um, you know, Jess mentioned the scene with the, the lamb, you know, climbing that pole, that leg of lamb and, and how she, she really, she needed her dad mm -hmm. to show her some affection, like to do something for her. So I just thought she was portrayed really well. And then to go back to that scene, mom, I was laughing um, when they go to buy the bra, because yes. when she describes like the big busty woman, oh, who you could just picture them, that, couldn't you? Yes. yes, like, oh, can I help you? You know, the last thing you want in the store when you're trying to be discreet right. about it. Right. And um, that's the thing, expensive. she's being bullied about something that she's already self conscious about. Right. You know, she's getting brushed. She doesn't know how to tell her dad. She doesn't know what to do about it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Just, you know, a bad situation for a teenage girl who only has a dad to talk to about it. Right. 
And Lucy for being 26, you know, she's young. She's a young woman. Being very um, mature about handling it. Job handling that. Mm -hmm. She did. In spite you know, of who her mother was. But maybe because of who her mother was, because she maybe. probably had to handle a lot of that stuff by That's herself. Right. Well, you know what they say. They say that you parent in a knee-jerk reaction, either absolutely against what your mother did or exactly what your mother did, depending on how well you think your mother did as a parent. <laughs> so maybe she went the opposite. You don't think there's any happy medium? Or, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I always heard that. I'm teasing. No, I've heard Are you that guys either. freaking out? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm wondering where you consider yourself on that line. Right. And then oh, also, new jerk reaction the opposite way. Okay. Careful, careful. We don't always know who our listeners are. Certain listeners. Not a worry. <laughs> oh, well, um, let's get us off that touchy topic. Um, there's one other thing I wanted to bring up, and this is just like an expression I want to start using. I, I find that, like, so the, the colleagues I have that work in the UK, they always have like funny slang or ways that they say things that I want to incorporate and I always forget to do it. But I liked this one. So it says, Lucy was still talking to Diana. Hello, Peter. Rachel called as he approached and then turned to yell at Lucy. Get your skates on, lass. We're about to start to be like, get over here. Come on, let's go. Like, move it along. And so now I want to start telling people, get your skates get on, your lass. Get your skates on. Yeah, I like it. I you want book? to start using dick gears. I knew you were going to say that. I fear that's for you. I think I'll just stick to cuppa. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But you go ahead and say dick years, mom. I will. It'll be like someone's birthday party and she'll be like, oh, you're dick years old. <laughs> she'll say, do you remember dick years ago? Yeah. <laughs> was so least, how long do you think? It was at least two dick years. Farm? Oh, probably about dick years. <laughs> Um, was that in the pub, Natalie, yes, when? For trivia. So we have to find a trivia night. Yeah. But so I'm just going to say, I feel like that trivia night was like slightly lame. Yeah. Just like a list of 10 questions or just like fill out a paper. I want like trivia, like they ask it and you have to like be, you know, chime in or I don't know. You're competing with other you teams. Want like, like, a, like a game show buzzer? Oh, I wonder if I would have made one of those. Uh, yes, but I don't want you to have to do it. I want you like want me to a play. place to set it up for us. Yeah, and someone else to like serve us drinks and food. Yes, ideally. and it could be in a cozy pub. That would be great too. With like a right. fire fireplace. Yes. yes. With Christopher up. being our bartender. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Ooh, we're gonna mix books. Okay. Yes, we are. Like getting crazy. Good stuff. All right. Any other noteworthy discussion items we want to cover? I'm good. All right. Let's talk about criticisms. All right. So Goodreads rated this a 3.8 out, 3.81 out of five. Um, and I will say when I was looking through the actual comments, there were not nearly as many as I thought there were going to be. A lot of people just rated it, but didn't actually say anything about it. But the three that I saw that were repeated, the first one was that people complained that the book was slow to start and it took a little while for them to get into it. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, it only took me like two or three days total to read this. So it's a little bit hard for me to like reconcile that. 
So I don't know. We'll have a strong argument. Yeah, it was a very quick read for me too. I feel the same way. And it was also the kind of read like, like I'm watching a good TV show. Mm-hmm. You know, like I just kind of like cuddled up on the couch and kind of got lost in it for a little while and thought about them a little bit when I had to go make dinner, you know, and wanted to get back and find out what they were doing kind of thing. It was almost yeah. kind of like a, like a Hallmark special movie or something. Mm-hmm. Just like yeah. and warm and sweet. Yeah. That's how it came across. Yeah. All right. So the second criticism was that people thought that the book was a little bit too predictable. I, I don't disagree, but that doesn't bother me. Yeah, I don't disagree either. But like you just said, a little bit of that Hallmark feel, uh, those those movies are as well. Um, but I, I enjoyed it. You know, I, to me, it wouldn't be a criticism of it. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes you just want a book that like, you know, you don't have to cry during it. Like you can just enjoy it. And like there were parts where I was like, Lucy, please don't go to Boston. You're being so mm-hmm. dumb. Like don't mm-hmm. do that. You're going to screw this up. And then like, you know, obviously all works out and stuff, but like there was still a little bit of that like tension. Mm-hmm. And I do think like Pam had said earlier about how well our author did with the characterization. I think that although the story was predictable, the characters were good and relatable. So it made it okay that we kind of knew where it was going. Mm-hmm. I think we hoped we knew where it was going. Right. I'm not sure you ever really know for sure because it could have easily been that Lucy couldn't return to Boston and he, or, or he showed up there or something. Who knew? Yeah, that's true. We did know they were most likely going to get together. We were hoping they were going to get together. (laughs) All right. So the final one um, was that people complained that the book wasn't very deep. Hmm. So some people complain that the plot's too complicated. Other people complain that it's not deep enough. Wow. Like Goldilocks. Yeah. It might not be the right. same people. That's right. true. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so one thing I'm thinking with that, though, is, you know, Natalie brought up the psychology a little bit. And um, we talk about the characters and the fact that they're flawed and those kinds of things. I actually found myself kind of, being reflective a little bit when I read because of the characters and the way that they were, I would think about like, I felt that way before, or, you know, do I ever act like that? Or so in that way, I think there is some depth. I think she was very much focused on some, some characters who weren't perfect. Some people who weren't, you know, who had some stuff, who had some baggage, a lot of them actually, like you mentioned. Um, so there, I think there is some depth in that. And it does make me curious, like Jess said, what Kate Hewitt's life has been like. And it'd be interesting to find out if she's like, you know, had this great normal family growing up and, and you know, just this very typical upbringing. And yet she saw things maybe that she wanted to explore in this novel or, you know, something like that. But I thought there was some depth with some of the things the characters were dealing with. And I would say that that idea that Jess brought up earlier about having one scene from two different perspectives, the pony uh, party, 
I think that is something that is very reflective, that you can look, step back and go, wow, I wonder how I had a great time at that whatever. I wonder how someone else saw that. Or I wonder how someone else sees that, care, that person when I see them in this light. So I think that's very reflective as well. And maybe this book wasn't, you know, like gut-wrenching or super intense or, you know, we're on the edge of our seats or anything like that. But I do think because the characters were, were so real that it, people would be able to relate to it very easily, even if it didn't have all of those extra exciting elements per se. Agreed. Cool. That's it? That's it. That's all I got. Nice job. All right. We conquered the criticisms once again. Go us. As always. I'd expect nothing less. All right. So a little bit of a shorter discussion today, but I think this was a little bit of a quicker read. Um, so where can they check us out online? And what are we reading next, Jess? All right, listeners, make sure you look at our website, which is novelexpressionsbookclub.com. And you can also find us on Instagram at Novel Expressions Book Club. And we will be back in two weeks with the next book in this mini series, which is called Now and Then Friends by Kate Hewitt. Until we read again. Mm -hmm.